The Secret Church Podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 7 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC7. This is Secret Church 7, Episode 5 of Scripture and the New Testament, and we see a pretty different scene. Jesus is casting out demons and evil spirits, it seems like, left and right, particularly compared to the Old Testament. We were wondering, were they just clueless in the Old Testament? Why do we see such a different picture? I want you to think about the portrait of Christ in the Gospels. Spiritual warfare is a thorough battle. At the beginning of his life, there is an attempt to kill Christ from the start when King Herod issues this decree to find children and slay them. The beginning of his life, then at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus' ministry in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 is inaugurated by his temptation in the wilderness with the devil. Beginning of his life, the beginning of his ministry. As we move on, we see spiritual warfare in the middle of his life and ministry. He's casting out demons. Luke 9 is one picture. Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He's only a child. A spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. Later, Jesus, by the passage said, even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. He's casting out demons and he is asserting his dominion. He is asserting his dominion over demonic forces in a clear and pretty controversial way. You go down to the end of this passage in Matthew chapter 12. They're accusing him of driving out demons by the prince of demons. Jesus is responding to them. And he says, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that's the point here. He's showing the kingdom of God is here. Or again, he says, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possession unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. Now, the end of this passage is so important because in this imagery here, the strong man is Satan. His possessions, plunder, are not his personal property or effects. They are people, people whom he has blinded to the truth, the plan of salvation. And what Christ is doing as he carries out his ministry is he's showing that he has power to bind up the strong man, tie him up. And that's the ultimate picture in the cross. What Christ is doing is he is binding the strong man, binding the one who held them captive. Jesus' ministry on earth showing us that Satan has been bound. Satan has been bound by Christ. And Jesus' promise for eternity is that Satan will be destroyed. There is an eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So Satan has been bound and Satan will be destroyed. All of that leads to the end of his life where the cross is the ultimate exorcism. The prince of this world will now be driven out. The cross is the ultimate exorcism and the resurrection is the ultimate victory. Jesus, beginning of his life and ministry, middle of his life and ministry, comes to the cross, his resurrection, and then at the end of his ministry, before ascending into heaven, he says boldly, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And this is the prophecy. I put Daniel 7 there because that's the fulfillment of the prophecy in Daniel 7, that he would have sovereign dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom will never be destroyed. So the picture is, talk about a fly-through with Christ and demons, Picture is, he is asserting his dominion all throughout, from 
beginning of his life and ministry to the end of his life and ministry. What I want you to see, though, is that Jesus' involvement in spiritual warfare focused on two primary fronts, two different fronts, a two-sided battlefront. Follow with me here. Jesus wars against both moral evil and natural evil. Spiritual warfare in Christ. He's warring against moral evil and natural evil. And I want to show you the difference between the two. Moral evil primarily includes sin. Moral evil is wickedness, iniquity, transgression, sin. It's the evil that we believe, the evil that we do. Satan draws us into, tempts us to sin. Moral evil includes sin. But that's not the only picture of evil that we see. We also see in all of Scripture and in the Gospels, natural evil, which primarily includes suffering. This is not necessarily stuff we do, but stuff that may happen to us, maybe natural disasters, sickness that is brought on. It's different. It's evil, but it's not moral evil in the same way sin is. It's different. Natural evil includes suffering. Now, obviously, they're connected. Moral evil is ultimately the cause of natural evil. It goes all the way back to the beginning. We have catastrophic things that happen, natural disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, as a result of sin's entrance into the world in Genesis 3. We have sickness. Now, just because we get sick doesn't mean we had a sin that directly caused that, right? But ultimately, moral evil is the cause of natural evil. But there's two different pictures of evil here. Now, the question is, how does Satan relate to both of these? Satan is a liar who provokes moral evil. He provokes us to sin. But he is also... Second, a murderer who applies natural evil. He applies suffering. And I want you to think with me for a minute about how Jesus confronts both of these, both moral and natural evil. And I want you to think about how he confronts them in slightly but important different ways. Jesus wars against moral evil and natural evil differently. Differently. How did he fight moral evil? Through one primary means. Follow with me. Jesus used declaration of truth to fight moral evil. We see this from the very beginning. As he is tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he quotes scripture. He confronts temptation to sin with truth. And then when we see the very beginning of his ministry right after that, the very first message that's coming from his mouth is what? End of Matthew chapter 4, 12 through 17, verse 17 there. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In conversations with people, what Jesus is doing all throughout the Gospels, it's a summary, but he is exposing sin. Obviously, this was very prevalent among religious leaders, hypocrites, Pharisees. He's exposing their sin and he's calling for repentance. Jesus exposed sin and he called for repentance. Think about it. When Jesus was addressing the sins of the religious heretics, Pharisees, did he ever cast demons out of them? No. 
He didn't say, you have a demon of pride, be gone. Demon of hypocrisy, be gone. Demon of idolatry, be gone. Demon of self-sufficiency or your demon of money, be gone. No, whenever he was addressing moral evil, he simply exposed their sin with truth and called for them to repent. That's how he fought moral evil, through declaration of truth, exposing sin, calling for repentance. However, on the other hand, Jesus used always use declaration of truth, but add here and demonstration of power to fight natural evil. Natural evil, like sickness and suffering, how would he address that? Certainly he'd still declare the truth of God, but he also demonstrated the power of God by showing his power over sickness and suffering. And I want you to notice with me that in the passages where we see Jesus driving out demons, it is in context where Jesus is confronting natural evil, not moral evil. Look at Mark 3. He had healed many, so that those with the diseases were pushing forward to touch him. When the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you're the son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who, they, who, he, who, they, who he was. Then you get to Matthew 4. He's healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. Many people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. Do you see where the demon possessed are mentioned? In the context of those who have diseases, with pain, with seizures, who are paralyzed, that's where the demon possessed are mentioned. This is the picture we see sicknesses and evil spirits in Luke chapter 7. So here's the deal. Bring, come down to the bottom below Luke 13 there. Here's the picture we have of spiritual warfare in Christ. Jesus does not, maybe even put it in all caps, does not cast out demons in cases of moral evil, dealing primarily with sin. Instead, Jesus is casting out demons in cases of natural evil, dealing primarily with suffering. Does that make sense? You following here? This is key. Jesus approaches those who were demon-possessed primarily as sufferers who were needing relief, not sinners needing repentance. Now, obviously, there were, there were some times when he would address both, when you have maybe the lame men in Mark 2 or, or John 5, and he healed them, but then also proclaimed his authority to forgive their sins, but it's separate here. And the picture we see Mark 5 is really the quintessential example of Jesus approaching a demon-possessed man. And Mark 5 does not tell us that this man had demons of sin that were controlling him. Now, obviously, he was acting in crazy ways, and certainly he was a sinner. But the emphasis is on he is suffering as a result of this demon possession, and Jesus is delivering him from that possession. So the picture is Jesus dealing with moral evil and natural evil in very different ways. Moral evil, he is saying, here's the truth of God, repent. That's spiritual warfare against moral evil in the ministry of Christ. When it comes to evil spirits being cast out, this is spiritual warfare dealing with natural evil in Christ. And this is when he's casting out when it comes to natural evil. We do not see him casting out demons of sin you see him casting out demons of suffering 
Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.